From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up Talk Radio is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they'd always dreamed of. Each week, Powered Up Talk Radio explores innovative ways to stay focused in a world that's experiencing dramatic changes. Find out who you are, discover your purpose, and challenge yourself to be all you can be, right here, right now. Here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Everybody, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Bruce Friedenberg and Dr. Carol Hughes, and they are my gray divorce experts. And we have talked uh, on the air before. They have a couple other episodes, so you can look through the queue if you're on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or iHeartRadio, wherever you're listening to this today. We're talking about gray divorce, and we're going to use um, Linda and Bill Gates divorce as an example. Now, we don't know them. We don't know the particulars of their divorce, but it's a very high profile divorce. And it really illustrates a lot of the characteristics that we're seeing today in families. And so we want to disclose right off the bat that we do not know them. We do not treat them. Dr. Hughes and Bruce Friedenberg do not treat them, but we are going to use them as an example. And we wish them the very best because it's got to be really difficult to, I know it was divorce was difficult for me with a low profile celebrity. Imagine being someone who is known around the world has to be very difficult. And we send our love and support and care to their children, because as we're going to talk about, this affects them too, even though they are older. Welcome, Carol. Welcome, Bruce. Um, before we get into the meat of this, can each of you quickly identify yourself, tell us your background, how people can find out more about you, then we'll get into gray divorce. And we're going to start with Dr. Carol Hughes. Okay, sure, Sandra. Thanks for having us back. Um, so my name is Dr. Carol Hughes. Uh, for several decades, I've been a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California in Laguna Hills. And uh, I have two tracks in my practice. One is therapy, where I work with children, adults, and teenagers with all the different issues that come up for families and family members. And then the other track is of my practice is working with divorce professionals in out-of-court uh, processes like collaborative divorce and mediation, helping people uh, find peaceful, family-focused, respectful processes. I can be found at my two different websites, all lowercase, drcarolhughes.com and divorcepeacemaking.com. You can email me through there, and also there's a phone number. Terrific. Bruce. And I'm Bruce Fredenberg, and I could say almost exactly the same things Carol does. We met in graduate school some decades ago, and we've been friends ever since. Uh, I'm also a licensed marriage and family therapist uh, for 30 years now, and my practice has uh, two tracks. It's the therapy side, and also I'm trauma-trained, as is Carol, and so the Great divorce casualties kept showing up in our uh, practice. And about oh, 
17, 18 years ago, I guess now it's been 2003, we formed an alliance with uh, family law attorneys and financial specialists and other mental health professionals who wanted to be more proactive. As one of the attorneys said, I was tired of winning cases while destroying families. And so we believe that if somebody decides to divorce, and we always prefer to help save marriages when we can, but if a couple decides to divorce, the, the most important decision they will make next is what type of divorce process do they want to select? And, and we think that a family-focused process is better than combat divorce for most people. And um, so that side of our practice is helping people navigate those waters of the, and avoid, when possible, the worst aspects of divorce. Well, and let's, let's, let's talk about some of those worst aspects. You know, I'd like to offer up in a high conflict divorce, there's lots of anger. There's lots of hurt feelings. The kids can be weaponized, meaning used as pawns to hurt the other people. And I will say that both parties have to agree to a peaceful divorce. You can't have one high conflict. And if you have a high conflict personality that I had, that I was married to, a peaceful divorce isn't a process that you can use. And it continues beyond the divorce and through the co-parenting years. Um, And I think it's important that we identify that because Dr. Hughes and and Bruce, at my son's graduation, my ex-husband, who is beyond his current restraining order, what does he do? He knocked me in the back as hard as he could while I was talking to other parents, hit my purse, hit me. Now, it wasn't enough to do damage, but just enough to show that he could. And this is 11 years after the end of our legal divorce, 14 years after the end of our separation, we share two children. And was it enough to go get another restraining order? No, it was just a nuisance, you know, jerky move. But if I want to put that out there, because if you are a person listening to today's show, and you're with a high conflict person, and you don't have to have a definition of that to know what you're dealing with a lot of the things that we're talking about today will not be for you. When I first went through the divorce process, Dr. Hughes and Bruce, I listened to this talk person who's like, go to therapy, talk about your problems. All I did was give my high conflict partner the weapons to get to me, showed him where I was vulnerable. So if you're dealing with a high conflict personality, today's show is not for you about handling some of these things. You need a specialist in high conflict divorce. And Dr. Hughes and Bruce, I like your opinion on that because you have experience in this. People don't get divorced because everything's wonderful. (laughs) They get divorced because they have problems. So I really, because of my own experience in listening to someone who was not a high conflict divorce specialist, I took advice that wasn't meant for me. So before we get into gray divorce, I would just love you to give a disclaimer on high conflict personalities in your experience. And we'll go to Dr. Hughes first. Yes, Sandra, I'm so glad that you're educating your listenership about what you just said, um, because we can be naive and think that, uh, and high conflict people, some are very good at deception and uh, helping people think the best of them when they have no intention to be honest and 
and forthright and work with dignity, absolutely. And the research is that about ish, 20% ish of the population are what we would consider high conflict personalities. And um, people can learn a lot about divorcing high conflict personalities at a website of one of our colleagues, Bill Eddy, and it's High, uh, high Conflict Institute. Dr. Carol, I'm just going to jump in here for a second because now is a really good time to thank our sponsor. And our sponsor today is Upstart. And Upstart is spelled U-P-S-T-A-R-T. And I want to talk a minute about how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today. And you're going to go to upstart.com slash powered up if you're listening along on your computer and you want to look it up. So if you're carrying a credit card balance month after month, it can feel like you're in a never ending cycle of debt. And Upstart can help you make that final payment so you can get ahead. And Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online. And whether it's paying off credit cards or consolidating high interest debt or funding personal expenses, over half a million people have used Upstart to get one and get one fixed monthly payment. And they know you're more than just a credit score. And it's important to know that checking your rate does not impact your credit score. And unlike other lenders, Upstart considers your income and current employment to find you a smarter rate for your loan. And they have these five-minute online rate checks. So you can see your rate up front for loans between $1,000 and $50,000. And you can receive funds in as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. So to find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today, when you go to upstart.com slash powered up, that's upstart.com slash powered up. And don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. And loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and certain other information provided on your loan application. So go to upstart.com slash powered up. That's upstart.com slash powered up. You'll be glad you did. And you know what I like about Upstart is it's totally speedy and it's an easy online application. So go to upstart.com slash powered up. That's upstart.com slash powered up. Now we're talking today with Dr. Carol Hughes and Bruce Fredenberger, who are the authors of Home Will Never Be the Same Again. And we're talking about adult children of gray divorce. And when uh, we were talking earlier, we were talking about this high conflict institute. Carol, can you tell me a little bit more about that high conflict? Conflict Institute. It's a it's a wealth of information, and if you think that even have the slightest idea that you're dealing with a high conflict person, they don't listen well. You feel manipulated, you, manipulated, so you feel crazy. Quote, um, it, it just feels like you're always going uphill. Then, and maybe you've had restraining orders, any kind of domestic violence, hitting, you know, emotional abuse, physical, spiritual abuse. Uh, check out that website. There's so much information. He's written a ton of books. And you're right, you really need to know how to deal with high conflict people. Some high conflict people are still coachable. Uh, I would say, I don't think the majority are. Bruce, you can chime in on that from what I've read. Um, But that's some good information. Did you want to add something, Bruce? Uh, Well, I was thinking the same thing, that some are coachable, but it also requires different techniques. It requires more management techniques. It's, you know, like do this and that'll happen and do that. This will happen. So your choice, make it real clear, repeat it a lot and don't necessarily expect that there's going to be a lot of insight. 
the change in behavior will be when the whatever behaviors they're displaying were causing them more trouble than the person that they were they were displaying them to. And Carol and I both uh, at times do reunification cases and we're more dealing with high conflict people coming out of the court. And especially if litigation is still going on, they can dig the hole faster than anybody could fill it. Mm-hmm. And the, the first rule of getting out of a hole is put down the shovel. And I made a note to myself when you were you know, informing your readers, I mean, your listeners, you know, this is not for everybody. Um, they need to be willing to, maybe not yet able to, but at least be willing to attempt to self-govern because you can't really govern adults unless they're willing to be governed. And I, you know, when I worked with foster kids or when I worked with teenagers, I would tell them, you know, you can be um, kind of any way you want in your own home, but there are certain levels of behavior that nobody's going to tolerate out on the streets. And if you don't govern yourself, somebody's going to govern you for you. And, and I think that's the population that you're suggesting to your, your listeners. But, I, but again, I'm glad Carol noted that, you know, depending on how disruptive it is and if they're willing to not keep shooting themselves in the foot, they can be coached, but you figure that out pretty quick because they're all over you. Right. And I think as a spouse, you know, you know, this is the person that won't listen to when the school says to do things a certain way for your kids. Mm-hmm. When the coaches say, you know, sit in the stands and no coach and you're the guy, you're the dad who gets red flagged. Like my ex-husband, it wasn't the the people that got red flagged, it wasn't the kids on the, the soccer field, it was the adult in the stands. Like you're right. going to start seeing some of these trends and, you know, you're going to be like, this person is so mean, or this person says the things that other people don't say, or they get in fights with waiters, or they get in fights at Magic Mountain with somebody who tells them to step back in line. Like, you know, these are some really, like from my own experience, these are some real, you know, easy things to to look at and go, okay, if you've never heard the term high conflict personality and you're tuned in today because you're thinking about getting a divorce, um, these are some good examples that you can relate to if they call you names and then tell you, oh, they're just kidding. That was what I heard all the time. You're too sensitive. Like, you know, you take everything and blow it out of proportion. I didn't mean it that way. If these are things that are regular in your vocabulary, tune over to what was it high conflict high conflict instructor billy eddie check him out and and make sure you delineate between what we're sharing today and what we're going to be talking about which is this gray divorce and it's interesting carolyn bruce because we have friends who are getting a divorce a, a gray divorce the, you know we just had graduation <laughs> so yeah. it's turned 18 there's a couple couples in our town splitting up and my sons were helping their friend whose parents are getting a divorce and their dad is a high conflict mm-hmm. and the mom's just had enough and she's waited till the kids are all 18 the youngest is 18 and she's like I'm done I'm pulling the plug and that's what we're talking about in this case is a gray divorce is when the kids are grown and you separate do you see this a lot after high school graduation of the youngest or college graduation of the youngest Mm-hmm. And actually, that's a good example with Bill and Melinda Gates, whom, as you said in the introduction, we don't know uh, what we know the little bit. And I'm certainly not a, a news hound at all. But, uh, you know, they announced that they waited until their last child turned 18 and was graduating from high school as though 
that magical number really makes someone an, an adult. As we all know, who've gone through that, we're, we're not, we're grown up legally, but that's about as far as it goes. And so it does affect these adult children uh, very much. And, you know, I'll let Bruce share a little bit more to answer that question. Well, the adult children are not monolithic. There, there's the, and there are stages of adult development, and, and most people don't think of that. So there's the younger ones, 18 to maybe even mid-20s, who are still one way or another dependent on their parents financially, or until recently have been. And so their question is going to be, what happens, what's going to happen to me? Am I going to have to drop out of college? Or am I going to have to, uh, you know, get a job as quick as I can and, and start going to work and put my career on hold? Uh, You know, the family had plans and maybe promises and how's that going to work out? Or is there a new person involved who's going to steer the parent away from helping me to help them? And then there's the ones that are a little bit older that are, have been in their careers and maybe have their own marriage and families and they have kids. And, and so if one of the parents is needier emotionally more than the other one, and they have to take time out to help that person, or if there's going to be a financial problem for one or both of them. And, the, and this, I'm not talking about people who are infirm. If they're infirm, of course, they're going to have to take over for their parents. But And maybe for a short time, if you know there's some emotional damage or the... Uh, money hasn't been straightened out but if that goes on for a long time that can put a strain on the adult children's marriage and their spouse may not be on board of giving so much of it away and so or if the ones that show up at the graduations or the weddings and make it all about them you know I'm not coming if so-and-so is not coming it becomes family trauma and then the other spouse, they're not my parents. I'm just not going to do that to my kids. Grandkids aren't going to see you anymore. And that can be problematic. And family infighting, we have some ideas for people how to avoid that uh, family civil war that erupts a lot as people start choosing sides. And Carol, you might want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I want to give Sandra a time to ask a question if you want to, Sandra, so we aren't just talking nonstop. No, no, I love that because when you were talking about that, you were literally describing my kids' graduation. We had four seats. You know, this was, COVID gives you four seats. So it's me and my other son and then my ex-husband and his new wife. But there was issues over... They, the new wife didn't want to sit with me. So they went to the principal to get different seats while well, it's COVID. And I'm like, good Lord, it's been 10 years. You know, right. we can sit next to each other. In fact, we can put my little son in the middle. So you don't have to sit right next to me. Like the whole thing was just stupid. And my son who was graduating got to the point where he's like, I don't want to graduate. I don't want anybody to go. And so I called the principal and he said, don't worry. He goes, we'll put your ex-husband and his new wife in the VIP section. We've got two seats over there, which fed his ego, fed the new wife's ego. They're special because, you know, my son's graduation is all about them, not the kid graduating. And then I sat in the seat with my, my kids, like, but it takes one responsible adult to interfere with all that. But I will say when you were talking, Bruce, and then Carol, I, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about these things. We also have to add in the division of children between divorcing parents. Like my cousin, Bob got divorced. He and his wife were married 30 years. They have three children Two have sided. Oh, uh, the 
Two have sided with the father, one has sided with the mother, and now there's a rift between the children. There's a, uh, you support mom, and I don't support mom, and you support dad, and I don't support that, and there's one, my my niece is like a swing boat in there, but you know, this is the thing that happens with a gray divorce is people taking sides. Right. And it's like, and you said the word earlier, Sandra, they weaponize the children, even adult children. You know, my goodness, these, these parents are old enough to know better, but it's not about maturity in age. It's about emotional maturity. And so when parents encourage kids to line up in battle lines, as in real war, it's extremely expensive emotionally to the children and to the grandchildren if they're grandchildren. And so um, one of the things that Bruce and I teach people is to think about this, and most people don't think about it, that human beings are relationship-oriented animals. And not all animals are in the animal kingdom, but we are, we're wired that way. And relationships are forever. They're for our whole lifetime. You either have good relationships or bad or somewhere in the middle, like your niece, that's the swing vote. And, uh, and it creates a lot of loss for the adult children and their children, if they have children and, and the divorcing parents to lose part of their family, part of their relationships. So we encourage people to think about all that. And what is the legacy you want to leave your, you know, kids, your grandchildren, and even sometimes great grandchildren and extended family, friends, community members from this time in your life, which is the time you're divorcing and after like your family, my goodness, it's 10 years later. And what is the legacy leaving anger, resentment, hostility, you know, it's like poison. It's like Socrates said, you know, resentment is like drinking poison and waiting someone for the other person to die. So if, if you have, if your listeners have the capability to work together and, and as you mentioned earlier, a a professional who has high conflict training is going to be a better choice than your average therapist, no offense to people who don't have that training, uh, then that's the gift. That's the legacy that you can give your family. Uh, But most people need professional help, maybe even a clergy person uh, or, you know, licensed professional uh, therapists or counselors. Well, those, those people can give you, like for me, one of the benefits of using, like I've had my same therapist, Vicki, for 15 years, and she gives me the languaging to handle yeah. some of these things. Like when right. I talk to the principal to move the seats, you know, he's like, oh, you know, because he's a young new principal. And I said, look, it's better for the kids. It's better for everyone. If you could just find him two seats, I said, he wants the attention on him. So just give him his seats and tell him this is where he's sitting. Don't involve my son. Don't involve everything. You know, this is what this is. And when I talk to my kids, I can say, look, this is just dad being dad. He wants it all about him. So we're not going to make it all about him. We're going to get him his seats. He's going to be happy. And we're going to go on and have the graduation because today is about Max, my older son. Today is about this. And I couldn't do that, Carol and Bruce, if I didn't, first of all, practice with my therapist. Because you're upset. You're frustrated going, how are you doing this 10 years later? Like, that's all my stuff. 
but they give you the languaging that's dad being dad. He's going to make it all about him. So let's just go about our day and it'll be fine. And, you know, Sandra, I was thinking one of the interesting things is one of the reasons a therapist, well, can help. Well, two things. One, the training. But two, I wasn't, I don't have a relationship with your ex. So I don't have any old wounds from him. Nothing's going to likely spark whatever, spark my anger. And he's doing it to you, not to me. I'm not there getting it. Because if I was there getting it, my neurons are going to start vibrating. When people are angry or fearful, but particularly angry, um, when they hit that peak, uh, our neurons start vibrating at the same frequency theirs are. And then we're right back in the fight, flight, or freeze response. So I don't have your triggers with that particular person. I have my own triggers with other people. So I can look at what's happening to you. And instead of being triggered, I can think, oh, well, something must be terribly wrong with somebody who would be doing that to a, whore, you know, a nice person like Sandra. Is there some way Sandra could look at it where she's not getting triggered and your therapist came up with the language that's dad being dad. He's not, he's not doing it to you to do it to you. He's doing that to everybody within range. Yep. And, you know, and it is all about him. And then here's how you fix that. Um, so I, I want to make that distinction. It's not like, you know, I'm claiming that when people are doing that to me, that I instantly go all calm and, you know, my higher self emerges. I, I trigger like everybody else. I've just had enough experience and training. Now I can feel the difference in my own physiology, you know, and, and I've been with Carol and so many uh, co uh, divorce meetings with people that we can spot the little tiny twitch in our jaw or something like that let let's people the other person know that okay you're getting ready to blow i better take over here because <laughs> we all have those you know and and most people don't know why they know the person's angry immediately but they're angry now because they're they're vibrating with the same frequency gotcha mm-hmm. And I wanted to add in, in our book, we have uh, a whole chapter that's directed at the parents just for about what you were just talking about, Sandra, a couple of minutes ago at the graduation. It's like, and you said the words perfectly. You could have written that part of the book, uh, Sandra. It, you said the celebration, the graduation is about our son. It's not about him. It's not about the dad. And so what we tell the parents, if they're willing to listen and be coachable, is make the celebratory events about the person being celebrated, not about your issues, not about your pain, your anger, because if they don't do that, they turn the celebrations into what Bruce calls as family trauma. T, D, trauma and drama too. Uh, And that isn't fair to the the young person or whatever age they are. It could be a 35-year-old adult child having a birthday party or anniversary or something. And these parents can't even be in the same room because they haven't worked on their own issues if they're fixable. Some people, the high conflict people, it's very difficult for them to move forward at all but it's not the majority of the population. So think about that. Keep the celebrations about the people being celebrated, not about the divorced parents. Right. And I think looking at some of this stuff, like the kids and I, when we were driving home and kind of deconstructing, you know, the, the graduation and we're going to go, you know, we went out to eat and we talked about a few things. One of the things my younger son said that was, I thought really great is he said, well, he goes, this gives us some idea of how to handle if we get married. 
you know, how are we going to handle this? Like, make sure dad's like sat over here and make sure mom's over here. And mom, you're going to need to bring a date because we don't want dad knocking into you because he can, you know, having a buffer there, you know, and we had this plan for how to navigate some things in the future. And I think Carolyn Bruce, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, very open, frank, non-emotional discussions about this really help. Like once my older son got over being mad that, you know, dad made a ruckus at the graduation. Now we go, okay, well, he's probably going to make a ruckus at your, your wedding. So let's be prepared for that. Let's figure out, you know, maybe think about what we might do differently. Like maybe the invitation doesn't go to him till the last minute. So we don't have time to get involved. And, you know, all these things, we had a conversation because if you can't change something and you have to work with what is, and you don't want to exclude a parent, because I think that's the thing is one's highly emotion. I don't want dad there at all. The other one's like, well, I kind of want dad there. And so what do we do about it? So having this kind of open, frank discussion with your adult kids or younger kids, putting it on the table, how do you guys feel about that? If it's neutral and not insulting to the other parent? You know, Sandra, you reminded me of something I've suggested to clients who are in those kind of relationships. Uh, and they tell me it helps. Um, you might remember a group called the Dixie Chicks. Sure. And their first big hit was, uh, There's Your Trouble. And basically the song was that the, the person who's hurting is saying, he should have done this, he should have done that, he should have been here, he should But then, of course, comes in, but he didn't. There's your trouble. <laughs> you want the person to be different, and they're not. There's your trouble. It's you wanting it rather than seeing it for what it is. You can't control them. You can control your response to it. And when I first stumbled on that, and I started telling that to clients, and frequently with women, they'd say, that helped me so much. I'd listen to that song, and there's your trouble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And, and you mentioned too, that your son said, I don't want to even go to graduation. And that is what a lot of adult children end up saying. If they don't have someone like you, Sandra, who knows and has worked with your therapist for so long to know how to manage the situation and not trying to change the person, because that doesn't work. And you know, that the kids shouldn't have the kids of whatever age they are. Like I said, a, a wedding a, a anniversary, 35, 40 year olds, they shouldn't have to not have that. Uh, and it's okay if, if, if that parent is not manageable, it's okay for the adult children to decide yeah. that they're not, that person isn't welcome. They don't want them there. That's okay also because it's their celebration. 80% of the people we work with in divorce are not those people. They are the people right. who are willing to self-govern, you know? But and it might that's take why time. it's so startling. Yeah. But it might take time. Like this is yeah. the thing. Like we're going to the extreme of somebody who's not coachable. Right. I watched right. some of my family members get divorced, and the spouse is not coachable in the beginning, but right. they slowly improve. And right. that's yeah something that we see. And, you know, it's not an all or nothing, I guess, is what I'm trying to say here. Like there's, there's workarounds, there's workarounds yeah. for hurt feelings. You know, when, when spouses, when I've seen, they get re-engaged in a new relationship, all of a sudden they're not interested in, you know, hitting the old person up and getting a thrill out of making their life miserable because they have something else to focus on. I mean, this is an ever evolving, changing, situation. And so 
having flexibility and and encouraging the adult children to go, you know what, dad wasn't always like this. Dad's like this right now because he's hurting. Or mom's like this right now because he's she's hurting. And time does heal. Time does get things better. So does a restraining order. But, you know, time gets better. Things get better over time if everybody allows healing to happen. And I think that was one of the things that I find myself saying a lot when it's not a high conflict person, it's just a conflict situation right now. And let's talk about the difference between those two. Carol, go ahead. Yeah, it's, you said it very well. Uh, in the beginning, there's a saying in family law that uh, in criminal law, uh, people see, quote, bad people acting good. And in family law, we see, quote, for the most part, good people acting bad. Uh, and that can be temporary if they aren't high conflict people. Uh, and so as time goes on, Bruce has been talking about our, our, neuro, our neural system, which gets triggered uh, in fight, flight, or freeze, and change does that for human beings. And so divorce is a change, and it brings with it a lot of fear and uncertainty. And so in the beginning, most people are pretty triggered, you know, emotionally. But the telltale is if time, when time goes on, and, and Bruce has kept, kept using the, phrase, the term self-regulating, where if people learn how to calm that reactivity of the fight, flight, or freeze response, and then the, the, the front part of the brain comes online, which is the higher reasoning and making good decisions part of the brain. And that can happen. It does happen with most divorcing people. In fact, the research indicates that at about the five-year mark, researching parents who've been divorced, they say at about five years, I look back and I would not have done a lot of the things I did the first year or two because they've had time to lower that reactivity. And so again, and people can learn how to lower and or manage that reactivity sooner than five years if they're working with professionals who can help them do that. And one, one thing we recommend in the book is mindfulness practice. And if people just Google mindfulness, in fact, we quoted there's 41 uh, benefits for mindfulness. I think it was 41 that came up in all the research. There's decades of research on mindfulness and it helps people learn how to lower and manage their reactivity. Absolutely. Well, and I just want to chime in here that like when I met my therapist and I met her because there was conflict in the, the new family and then mm -hmm. she said, you know, I can really help you. You're going to have this person as long as he's alive, he's going to cause conflict and your okay. life doesn't have to be miserable. I mean, I'm paraphrasing what she said, yeah, right. but what it looked like was that I got to go and talk to her each week. So there was a place for me to put my anger, my frustration, my fear, and my confusion. And it wasn't on my kids. It wasn't on my immediate family, because that's the other thing that happens when you get divorced. If you tell your family stories about what's happening between the two of you, now you're polarizing, you're weaponizing your own family. And as you get better, they're not going to forget. <laughs> like they're going to remember what they did to you. So she's like, look, I don't want you burning out your friends and your family. And, you know, she was great. I was struggling at the time. So she was sliding scale. 
girl and I paid what I could afford, but I continued and I still continue today because co-parenting changes as kids change and everything looks different and having someone I trust who can hold my uncomfortable feelings meant Mm -hmm. I didn't have to burn out my friends. I didn't have to burn out my family and I didn't make a bad situation worse. And that was the biggest thing. That's the biggest, you know, endorsement I can say for getting a good therapist on your side, because I can look back and maybe there's two or three things, Bruce and Carol, that I did during the divorce process that I would do differently but I didn't have a bucket full and I didn't have, I didn't harm my kids in ways that I would have without some guidance. I mean, for crying out loud, we hire a trainer at a gym so that we can work out right. Why wouldn't we hire a divorce coach? Exactly. In fact, Sandra, while you were talking, I was thinking for the people that you, you're, you know, the way you describe your experience, you know, if you, if they have a history of everything, has always been a blow up. I mean, you know, they're a one trick pony, you know, when in doubt, throw a punch or hide away and take everything with you or, you know, but it's always external blame. But if it's not that person, uh, we like to look at it as a uh, it's pacing. Typically, when people get divorced, uh, one person pulls the trigger on divorce, but both people were probably unhappy. But the person who initiated probably doesn't tell the person that they're about to divorce until they scoped out the territory, figured out what's coming next, or they've already engaged in something else. So they're moving towards something or from something. But the other person feels like somebody who's holding a telephone wire that got ripped out. And and so it's like a race. The other person's three quarters of the way around the track and the other person hasn't even put their their track shoes on yet. So we teach the uh, couple to, to the person who's ahead needs to slow down and remember when they were making that decision, they still had the intact family to to have predictability in their life, to take care of the stability and the the family business part. And it was only when they figured out what they were going to do, but they they did it. And the other person now doesn't have the opportunity to have any conversations with them because they're, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. So that person needs to slow down. But at the same time, it can't take forever. The other person needs to have help. Catching up. up so that yeah. they can get out of that reactivity that makes when people are in this hyper adrenalized state of from fear or anger. In fact, there's an old saying in sales, a confused mind always says no. And I've noticed in dealing with divorced people or divorcing people, a confused, angry mind says no with an attitude. Sure. You know, but so they can, it's almost impossible to generate feelings of caring and compassion and generosity when you're in the fight, flight or freeze response. So that person needs to be able to catch up so that they're not in that state all the time. And then they start to make better decisions because the, the top and the front of the brain where our creative solutions lie is now back online. And so pacing is a real important thing, unless, of course, you've had a, you know, several years with somebody whose first response to everything is who to blame and where to throw the punch. Sure. Well, and Carol, I want to ask you in the catch up thing, because as Bruce was talking, I was thinking of some of my family who's been divorced and some of my friends in an adult gray divorce, the catch up person seems to be the victim 
and they get the kids, the adult children to align with them because they've been victimized. And the person that moved on the, 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 the speedy guy on the track, they're the, the, the villain and they're the victim. And then the kids can come in like my villain victim hero triangle that I love. The kids can come in and feel that they're the hero because they're taking care of mom or dad. And dad or mom, the opposite one is the victim. And that happens. I probably think maybe it would happen more with adult children than really tiny children, because you can't get sympathy from tiny children. You're the caregiver, but you certainly can get a lot of sympathy. I think of my cousin's ex-wife, you know, the the family we're talking about with the swing vote kid and the, the one daughter is so her mother's everything dumping ground. And mm-hmm almost the role of the therapist, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. the adult child, she's the oldest daughter. Mm-hmm. And you outlined that very well, Sandra, the problem with that. And I, I love the, you know, the victim villain hero triangle, because that's a very dysfunctional dynamic in families. And while it can feel good to the adult children that, are, that who are aligned with one parent, yep. uh, like like they're special because they're the hero, as you were right. saying. Uh, it's a but it's a very dysfunctional pattern of being in relationships that they are learning, and sadly, very likely, they will carry that forward into their future relationships yep. or the ones they're in right now. And here we go, and it goes. The beat goes on, as the saying goes. And so that's not a healthy thing for them to be learning. So the parent that's the, been victimized uh, in whatever way needs to, it, it's okay for in the beginning for the parents to help, you know, that parent, but in the long run, medium run, I would say that parent needs to do what you did. You were so wise to get connected with a therapist who really knew what he or she was doing and, and build that parent's own support network which you do with your podcast very well, uh, so that it frees the adult children to have a relationship with both parents if they choose to. Now, maybe the other parent that, you know, pulled the plug, it was such a, quote, horrible person, maybe they don't even want to have a relationship with that parent, but it should be the adult child's choice. That's right. Not the parent who's being divorced's choice. Right. It really very, very, can't be stressed enough. Right. And I'm just going to jump in and then I'll let Bruce comment on this. And you also, because I have two boys, you also have to let each child make their decision independently. Yes. Because I have one child who still wants to see his dad, his, the other child who's like, I'm waiting till I'm 18. And then I maybe never talk to the SOB again. So, you know, and I'm using those, I'm not saying those are exact words of my kids, but I'm saying I've got two kids who are close in age, who have been through the same everything, except one has said this person does not work for me. This person, I don't want him in my life. And this my younger one is, is saying, you know what, I, I, I kind of like this. I'm going to see where it goes. So as a parent, I have to go, you know what, this relationship is between my child and this person. Yes. Yes. And that's their choice. I would no more go and tell them they couldn't be, have a favorite teacher, you know, and you have to trust your adult children. Now, granted, mine are only 14 and 17, but they're not five and seven. You know, they may not be 25 and 35 and I'm prepared for my one son 
to want a relationship with his dad when he's 25. He may not want one at 17. I don't know what the future brings with my kid, but I just know I'm there to support him, whatever he chooses. And my opinion, other than stay safe, don't get yourself hurt. But my job is to work on my relationship with them, not manage their relationship with the other parent. So well, so well said. And I wanted to add one other thing. And Bruce, you talked well about the siblings too. The other tragic losses when parents encourage the children's minor children or adult to align with one parent against the other is often the siblings then are in alliance against each other and they lose those relationships. They can't love their sister or their brother because they're aligned with the opposite parent. And that's a tragedy because siblings will be the ones left, you know, after the parents die or pass on. And uh, it's a tragedy because they are very important relationships. Mm -hmm. And, you know, family is meant to support each other, not, you know, commit war against each other. Bruce? Well, Sandra, you touched on something. You didn't use the words, but the way you described it is very much like the chapter we have on boundaries. And that those uh, problems can be addressed by looking at them as a boundary issue. And that is that I don't think for the most part, I can't think of an exception. No one has the right to tell someone else what relationship they're allowed to have with their own other parent. And so the siblings can have their own choice of maybe they don't want to be with that person, but the other person has the right to have it. And, and the relationship between the parents is also a very different relationship than the children have with their parents. And so they, that the right to have that difference. And I think that, really helps a lot of people to be able to frame it that way and leaves an opening for them to make those changes later on because Carol talked about our you know our our attachment bonds uh, you know we're social animals and you know we hunger for those and and healing can happen you know when people are 50 and 60 if they were torn away from a parent and and you know they're if assuming the person is reachable they can have a, a healing and it really makes a difference on how they go through life and this constant being the hero and rescuing a parent i i, I have a, f- a friend at one time i i caution him I guess had noticed when he was describing the people he was dating I said have you you noticed you seem to have a weakness for depressed women and then he and he, and he did you know they weren't like so helpless depressing but it was like you know it was, he knew how to do that you know how, how to manage it it's like and so families where we grew up with these dysfunctional roles because the family was so hurt um a friend of mine who's a therapist too, best friend from high school, believe it or not, we both ended up as therapists. And he said, and I'll be a little crude here. Well, I won't be crude because it's on the air, but he said, you know, I noticed that I, looking back, I realized my best skill was surviving caca. So I always had to be stirring up and creating caca so I could demonstrate my best skill. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I think, you know, when you talk about, you know, kind of boundaries and things, and this is, again, you know, I give a lot of credit to Vicki. Um, and I only use her first name for her privacy, but, but um, she said, it's better for your kids to figure out who their dad is on their own with your support, 
than for you to tell them. And I will tell you, it's been very hard to watch the years of disappointment, the years of no shows, the years of, you know, dad promises to be here and then doesn't show up or says, I had, I had a date. You can't call me, you know, you know, I'm not here for you. If my girlfriend needs me, these were really very difficult things, but it's like letting your kids fail safely you know, mm-hmm. I let them experience these things, but I was there to help comfort them. I was there to explain to them, this is dad's deal, not yours. This has nothing to do with you, even though kids do take it personally. So when this was going on, you know, it was that fine line between protecting my kids and letting them experience who their father is. And it's up to each parent, and I challenge every parent going through a divorce, I don't care what age your kids are, is let your kids figure out who the spouse is. Mm-hmm. And if your kid is 40 years old and they idolize your dad, their dad, you taking that away from them because you divorcing him does nothing but hurt your adult child. Yes. They either figure it out or if they don't, then you're really hurting your kid by trying to put your opinion on them. And even though it was very hard, Bruce and Carol, growing up with watching my kids growing up, getting hurt by their dad, they also developed resiliency with their dad. They also developed how can they have a relationship? My one son, it's mostly texting. My other son will go out to lunch with this person. Um, But these are things that, that, you have to help your kids figure out. It's like a hard math problem. You right. can't do it for them. Right. And you didn't drag them into your emotional pain. You worked with a professional to help you with that. And parents don't realize that when they do drag their kids into the pain, they're carrying the pain of their parent on their shoulders mm-hmm. as though it were a huge burden, which it is. And And a lot of kids will say, I wish that my parents would just love me more than they hate my other parent. Yes. And and they'll carry those ideas about relationships into their relationships because it'll be familiar. Like the the person I said, who I noticed you have a a weakness for depressed people because he knew what to do with those those situations. And so if you're constantly dealing with people who are are high conflict or people who uh, don't do any any work on to heal themselves that's going to be familiar that will be it might be unconscious but it'll be an attraction because the, the familiar is attractive to us right exactly. well it's our normal you know right. the first person i was attracted to after i got divorced had a lot of characteristics of my ex-husband and thank god my therapist said hey have you seen the similarities do you exactly. see what you're when you tell me these stories about this person they're a lot of like now i wouldn't have noticed that and i just want to say carol and bruce i made a lot of mistakes my emotions got the better of me at time there's a kid say it's friday cry day in our house because by friday holding it together yeah. like <laughs> I, I you know i'm not perfect but I'd rather make a mistake because I'm emotional and I can't not make that mistake than to make mistakes unknowingly. And that's the big thing that the therapist helped me understand that I was kind of forewarned, forearmed. I was prepared. Now I'm still human. I'm still going to make mistakes, but I'm going to make a mistake because I'm weary, because I'm tired, because I'm hormonal, whatever it is. 
but I'm not going to make that mistake because of lack of judgment. Right. And you role modeled, Sandra, it sounds to me, for your children, how to deal with conflict, the circumstances of conflict, and probably a high conflict person in a dignified, mature, uh, reasoned way. And that's oh, great. That's a great most of the time. I, we're none of us are perfect all the time, right? None of us is. And so that Ruth was talking about what we learn in our family of origin. You know, that's a gift that you gave them to to learn healthier ways to deal with very difficult situations. So I, I really compliment you on that, and I'm I'm impressed and want to validate you for that because that was a, a good thing you've been doing and you're still doing because they're still pretty young. And it sounds like you didn't do the mistake other people do over and over. It's, Look what he made me do. You owned it. Okay. Oh, I was, yeah. I was overwhelmed. I let myself get hungry. I let myself get there. Or, you know, this has only been a few months or I didn't expect that, but it's still my reaction is what I want to change. I'm not going to be able to change their behavior. I want to change my own and reaction. Say, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes. You no, know, I, I remember one time, and this is why I wish I had your book when I was divorced. I remember one time, you know, it was over prom and the, the new girlfriend was going to take Max to get his prom tux. And I'm like, that's my job. I'm the mom. If you're not doing it as the dad, it should de- default to me. So I fired off a text and I knew as I was doing it, I shouldn't do it, but I didn't have the self-control. And I had mm-hmm. to say to my son, I am so sorry. I just was at the end of my rope. I opened a kettle of fish. It was my fault. And I'm really sorry for that. I can't take it back, but I can tell you I'm sorry. And that's where I want to talk Talk about your book, because your book can help make us aware of some of these things. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it, I mean, you've been just asking the great questions that just tie right in with a lot of what we wrote about in the book. And throughout the book, we weave in the healing and tools and skills that people need. You know, in each chapter, they're learning about whatever the topic is. Bruce mentioned boundaries. Uh, and communication. We have two chapters on communication because it's so important. And uh, people who've read the book have told us that uh, even the parents who read it, because a lot of parents have been reading it as well, I learned so much that I didn't know. And it's really helped me make this whole journey much better and healthier and not as it's always going to be painful when parents divorce, but I, I learned how to minimize the pain. And some people have read the book who aren't even from great divorce, you know, and said it just helped them just in general in life, because a lot of these issues are more general life issues. And then, but in divorce, they become more, um, our focus narrows to it's about the divorce, but really, as Bruce mentioned, attachment, all that's about every human being on the planet is being attached in one way or another. So um, Bruce, would you like to add some things? Well, I was going to say, you know, the title of our book really came from the literary agent who approached Carol and asked her if if she'd be willing to write this book. It was somebody from New York who read an interview Carol gave to the New York Times from a little blog article. She was contacted by a, a writer for the New York Times researching this and interviewed Carol, and then a literary agent in New York, months later, read the article and called up Carol and said, would you be willing to write this? And we've got a lot of projects unfinished, you know, unfinished in our computers. And Carol said, well, this is the one. Do you want to do this with me? And I said, yes. 
And she came up with this great title that really describes the great divorce. And I guess for, for any divorcing couple, home will never be the same again. And it's subtitled a, a guide for adult children of the great divorce. But the people who've read it and gotten back to us have told us that they thought that the way we structured it, it really applies to everyone in yes. their intimate relationships. And I don't know if that's your experience with it, but um, and now if people are interested in it, they can find it on Amazon or their, their favorite bookstore, any place, or in a public library. We're in a lot of university and public library systems now as well. Well, and I can tell you from a, as a user, you know, and you guys did not pay for any, um, you know, publicity on this show. This is because I really value your work. I value both of you, even with all my years of being with Vicki and the therapy and going through the experience, there were still things that I learned in there. And I highlighted your book going, this is good. This helps. This is what I need because the other thing, and you know, we'll probably have you guys back to talk about the evolution of gray divorce because we all talk about the divorce process. We need to talk about the evolution of gray divorce as time goes on, especially, and we're going to put a teaser on this one because we got to go, but what happens when mom or dad gets critically ill, terminally ill, all of a sudden, all the fun begins again, back to the divorce. I think anything where emotions are high is where gray divorce gets complicated. So I want to thank Bruce Friedenberg. I want to talk uh, thank Dr. Carol Hughes. You guys are amazing as always. We'll have you back to talk about this. And please, you guys, if you're contemplating divorce, even if you have young kids and you don't have gray hairs yet, this is a really good book to tell you what's coming up. Because even though your kids might be subject to a divorce at, you know, three months old and two and a half years old, guess what? The stuff still rises when you get to graduation. You've heard it here. You know it's coming. Get a copy of Gray Divorce. No present, um, no promotion has been paid for this. It's a book I highly endorse. These guys are experts. They're great in their field. We'll be back again next week and look for that upcoming show with Bruce Friedenberg and Carol Hughes as we talk about after Gray Divorce. We'll be back again next week. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up Talk Radio is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they'd always dreamed of. Each week, Powered Up Talk Radio explores innovative ways to stay focused in a world that's experiencing dramatic changes. Find out who you are, discover your purpose, and challenge yourself to be all you can be. 